I'm turning this evening to Matthew chapter number 5 once again. Matthew chapter number 5, and tonight we'll be looking at verses 9 through 12. Matthew chapter number 5, verses 9 through 12. And our subject for this evening is the peacemakers and the persecuted. The peacemakers and the persecuted. Matthew chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. Beginning there in verse number 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. The Lord Jesus here calls those who are blessed, he calls them peacemakers. Peacemakers are individuals who use all of their influence to promote peace and love on earth. Whether that is in private or is in public, at home or overseas, Jesus speaks of those who are striving to make peace with one another. We understand that part of even the teaching of the gospel includes love is the fulfilling of the law. To be a peacemaker is to be an individual who does the very work of the Son of God. When He came to this earth the very first time, He was bringing peace. He was bringing reconciliation between the sinner and the Father. And when He comes again, He will finally bring what we will all come to understand, what is perfect peace. Uh, Right now, we do not really understand what perfect peace is. We understand peaceful moments, but we don't understand what it is to have a peaceful existence. We understand the peace of God. We understand understand having peace with God, but having peace with every individual, having peace uh, in every aspect of life. But he also connects that blessedness of being a peacemaker. He also calls those who are persecuted as blessed. Those who are persecuted for what reason? For righteousness' sake. What Jesus means here are those who are suffering persecution at the hands of the wicked amongst unbelievers. They're mocked, they're despised, they're mistreated. And they're mistreated and despised simply because they endeavor to live as Christ would have them to live. Uh, It is not uncommon for uh, believers to be laughed at. It's not uncommon for uh, believers to be be called weak. Uh, They often call believers as using religion as a crutch. Um, But we are called to persecution. Um, I think in our society, in our Christian circles, we're forgetting that we're actually called to be persecuted. 
persecution is not a popular subject. Persecution, uh, if, if we're going to make a choice tonight, would I rather be a peacemaker or be persecuted? Most of us in our humanity say, I want to be a peacemaker, I don't want to be persecuted. But yet he calls both individuals, which are the same, peacemakers and persecuted, he calls them both blessed. We're told by the Lord himself that we are going to drink of the same cup in which our master drank. If we confess now before men, he will confess us before his father. And we understand that our reward, we're told here, great is your reward in heaven. We're promised there is a day of reward coming. But what are these peacemakers more specifically who are they what are they about a peacemaker is someone who strives to prevent contention someone who strives to prevent strife someone who strives to prevent war they try to reconcile opposite opposing parties they are trying to prevent hostility Uh, You could be a peacemaker in your own home, one that's trying to bring uh, a a resolution to an unpeaceful situation. But we also understand that being a peacemaker is something that can only be done, of course, in the power of God. We often have times to reconcile opposing parties. How do we view this opportunity? How do we view being a peacemaker? Jesus says these peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. What does it mean to be called? We're called the children of God, of course, because uh, we are in him. But to be called the children of God also are to be people who resemble God. We manifest a Christ-like spirit. Uh, We know that God himself is the author of peace. He's not the author of confusion. So those who attempt to preserve and promote peace are in fact like God himself. And we are called his children. Now sometimes we think being a peacemaker is only passive. Passive meaning we just don't get involved. We just kind of stay in the background. But we are to be actively seeking peace. We are to be actively trying to endeavor to end contention and strife. Trying to bring peace. We are the children of a loving God. And we are supposed to be known by our striking likeness to the God in which we serve. Now, it's not always easy to be a peacemaker. It's not always easy to be the one who stands in and says, listen, let's reconcile. But yet, these are the ideas that Jesus, as he was teaching, was trying to drive home. That we should be known, our sonship should be recognized because of who our Father is. We we should resemble Him. We should resemble Him in the way we bring peace. Men and women of peace are the children of God because He is a God of peace. But we also should not be so passive to just declare something as peace when there is no peace. We shouldn't cry peace where there is none. Uh, we shouldn't, this isn't talking about turning a blind eye to things that are not right. But yet, 
We should speak of things that are peaceful. We should speak of things that are pure. We learned a little bit last week that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's a connection between our purity and our desire to bring peace. Now, between the two, being a peacemaker or being the persecuted, we all would probably agree, I can do better at being a peacemaker. I can do better about bringing peace within my family. I can do better about even my attitude towards society. Um, you know, and I also think there are situations where we as peacemakers, we're going to be the one who's going to stand out. When everybody else is getting caught up in the contention and the strife, we ought to be the one that says there can be peace here. Now, we're not talking about compromise. We're not talking about compromising doctrine. We're not talking about, about giving in to the truth or giving up the truth and giving into a lie. But what we are talking about here is that there should be a desire in every single one of us to be peacemakers. If it's often been said, if there's often strife and contention everywhere you go, you might be the source. You very well might be. You know, sometimes I think we have the idea that I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring peace when honestly what's happening is we're, not, we're just being passive. We're not actively trying to bring peace. Jesus, when He came and He taught His disciples, He did not teach them to go on a, on a, on a war path. He didn't, he didn't teach them to go and try to, to overthrow and take out every single thing that was over them. You know, it's amazing to me that he never once told the disciples to go and try to overthrow the government. He never said, try to go in and overthrow the Romans. You're being mistreated by the government. You have every right to go against them. No, he said, be peacemakers. And that very same government, he's telling them not to overthrow. He's also saying, listen, persecution is coming. But he says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When we see the word persecute, to persecute means to be pursued, to be, follow after, to be followed. It's, it's what an enemy does. An enemy is tracking someone to persecute them. It also has the idea, idea of vexing or to oppress. And Jesus specifically means here, to oppress based upon your faith. Righteousness' sake. Now, often people say, I'm being persecuted. But your faith is not being persecuted. It, it is, you are not being persecuted for your faith. You may be under some sort of persecution, but Jesus is specifically talking about being persecuted for your faith. Oftentimes, persecution comes in the form of trying to, to ruin someone because of their faith, maybe by staining their reputation. It might be taking or damaging their property or endangering them to take their life, all because of their religious opinions. Remember, Jesus Himself said His disciples were going to suffer persecution. That they should not be alarmed when that day comes. I'm afraid today we are almost as believers. We've kind of got, we've kind of been caught thinking, why are we sensing and why are we feeling such persecution in the world today? As if this is not something to be joyful in. You realize he's saying that when you should be exceeding glad 
if you're being persecuted for my name, if you're being persecuted for your faith, folks, you should be rejoicing that you are being persecuted for the name above all names. Oftentimes we're looking at the persecution as a badge of shame instead of it being a badge of honor that God has counted us worthy to suffer for his name. That really is an amazing thought to think about. For righteousness sake, that means to suffer persecution because you are the friend of God. Now we're not to seek persecution. Jesus is not saying go out and try to get yourself persecuted. Go out and try to find someone who will persecute you. It isn't, this, it isn't this martyrdom syndrome where we say, I'm going to go do the Lord's work and I'm going to go make somebody persecute me. There's, there's nothing godly in that. There's nothing godly in going out and provoking someone hoping that they'll persecute you so you can say, I'm, I'm rejoicing in my persecution. No, what we're supposed to do, we're not to provoke conduct that leads someone to persecute us. Well, what kind of things might provoke? If we go out and you violate the law of a civil society, you are not doing that to the glory of God. If we go out, we simply say, listen, I'm going to go out and because I'm a Christian, I'm going to provoke the civil order of society and think I'm wearing God's badge of honor. That's not what he's talking about here. Or if we go out and we speak in ways that are intended to offend someone else. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say this. We're often hearing about people and their hate speech towards us. And I'm afraid we have segments of Christianity who's decided that it's their goal to be hate-filled speakers. We're not to speak with hate. We shouldn't be the ones that are speaking hateful things about people. Now again, we're not talking about not calling sin, sin. But if you're going out and intentionally trying to provoke and offend someone, that's not the type of persecution that Jesus is talking about. But if you live your life in an honest manner, if you truly seek out to be a peacemaker, you seek out to live to the glory of God, you live out your faith, you stand up for Christ, you live for His honor and His glory, and you suffer persecution in that realm, then rejoice. But don't expect to be rewarded by God if you're out provoking and trying to get yourself persecuted. Now we do know that as we, if we live a true life under the glory of the Lord, we will be persecuted, you will be reviled, and you will be considered as someone who is probably quite foolish. But you know what the, the persecution gives evidence of? that you are in fact the child of God. If you're suffering persecution for the name of Christ, that's evidence that you are in fact the child of God because a person who's not really a, ch a child of God is not going to endure persecution. They're going to flee from it. They're going to do everything they can to get away from it. They're going to say, I don't want to have anything to do with that because this is costing me way too much. But remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12 he said, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
So if you live godly in this present evil world, you will suffer persecution. Don't be surprised by it. It says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God here, this is the evidence that we are in fact Christians. We are in fact believers. We have the reward of heaven. We have the promise of an eternity with Christ. This is a very specific and peculiar blessing of God's children. The only thing that the wicked can do to us, the only thing the wicked can do to a child of God is to try to persecute his or her faith. That's the only weapon they have. They have nothing else to stand upon. They can't take it away from you. They, can't not, they cannot take away your faith. They cannot take away your assurance. They cannot take away the kingdom of heaven from you. Their kingdom is now. The wicked have only what is in front of them now. Your kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom is not of this place. Our kingdom is in heaven. Theirs is a present possession. Ours is something that we're looking forward to. Think about the characters in Scripture who suffered for being godly people. Think about Daniel. Daniel was hated for nothing more than simply being faithful to God. We see in the story of Ishmael and Isaac, we see how Ishmael mocked Isaac, but Isaac is the one that received the inheritance. Ishmael is the one who was cast out. Folks, you realize tonight it is a gift of God to be allowed to suffer for His name. It's the gift of God. Instead of praying that persecution disappears, we ought to rejoice in the fact that someone is reviling us and persecuting us for the name of Christ. Now this isn't easy to do. But we rejoice not because of the persecution, but we rejoice because that what Christ suffered. Christ suffered persecution, and even in his persecution, when he was reviled, he reviled not. We are being reviled for his namesake. Look, he goes into detail, verse 11, blessed are ye when men shall revile you. Imagine that. So, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are they which are persecuted, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you, notice this, falsely for my sake. To be reviled is to be reproached. It's to be called wicked names. It's to ridicule, ridicule you because of your faith. Remember some of the things they said about Jesus, and this was not a, this was not a compliment. They accused Jesus of being a Samaritan. That was an insult. They accused Jesus of having a devil in John 8, 48. They accused him of being mad, insane in John 10, 20. And even as he hung upon the cross, they reviled him. They mocked him on the cross. They, they walked by the cross and they just wagged their heads. But yet the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 23, that he being reviled, he reviled not again. He didn't give in kind to what he was receiving. Instead of returning that revile, we are to respond in blessing. Notice, look at verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 9 through 13. 
This is where Paul talks about being a fool for Christ's sake. And I love the term that the, the Scripture uses here. Verse number 9 of 1 Corinthians 4, he says, For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. Now here's what he speaks about what the apostles were dealing, dealing with. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. Paul does not say this is a bad thing. He actually says this is a good thing to be a fool for Christ's sake. He says it's a good thing to be made a spectacle. He said instead of reviling back, we bless, we even bless our enemies. When's the last time I imagine in my own mind when someone persecuted us with just their mouth by slander and we bless them? No, we immediately want to return fire, don't we? We immediately want to respond almost as we need to defend our character. Paul said, listen, we've been made a spectacle. He said, we are thirsty. We are hungry. We're being persecuted. We suffered. He says, we're enduring it. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and buffeted and we have no certain dwelling place. They had no place to even call home. Imagine having the full contempt of the world and nobody desires to be to have the contempt of the world yet it's blessed it is a blessing to walk in the footsteps of Christ to imitate his example even suffering for his sake and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. There's an emphasis on the word falsely. Imagine being lied about and you still rejoice in it. You know, the one thing that we think we can never lose to the world is our reputation. But do you know that that's really what's been under attack recently is the persecution of trying to undo a man or a woman, especially a believer's reputation. And yet, we understand that even when they say all manner of evil against you, we say, I struck out because they spoke, they spoke false things against me. The principle here is, is even in the same sense of blessing, it is a blessing to have evil spoken of us, if we deserve it, of course, but if we, even if we don't deserve it, don't consider this to be a tragedy. Take it patiently and show how much that believer, even under an understanding that I'm innocent, how much you can actually bear. Imagine that instead of striking back, actually just prove the evidence of just how great your God is. Again, he says that they're speaking falsely against you 
Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. An illustration of this. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 17. Peter writes this in the context of the inheritance of a blessing. He says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. (laughs) We could probably sit and park and meditate on that for just a little while, couldn't we? I mean, think about what Peter is writing here. But, but, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You know, giving an answer to every man also includes possibly giving an answer to the one who's persecuting you. When they begin to wonder, how do you stand and bear such persecution? Do you realize we just drug your name through the mud? Do you realize we just falsely accused you of something you didn't do? How are you bearing this? Because my Lord says it's a blessing to suffer for His name. Again, these are, these are easy things to read, not so easy to live. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit." You see, we are, because we are attached to Christ, because we are believers, we are to suffer all things, and Jesus said, for my sake. It's not that we go out and seek after these things. We don't go out and try to offend people. We don't treat people harshly or unkindly. We don't try to seek out ways to revile against people. We're not to say and do things in order to try to, 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 to drum up this this contention between, but rather we are to faithfully endeavor to live as Christ would have us to live. When we are reviled, we are to act as our Master Christ did and take it patiently. Receive it patiently. And remember, you are not the first one who's been treated this way. 
Do you know how many believers over the centuries have been falsely accused? Jesus Christ went to the cross falsely accused. Now again, we, don't, we would not want Him not to go because we know it was the act of redemption. But it was a false accusation. Remember that there are thousands of people who've gone before us. So when we're reviled, when we're persecuted, we are to be meek, we're to be patient, we're to be humble, and not revile back. Endeavor to do good, even to our persecutors, and even to those who slander us. You say, that sounds almost impossible. Apart from God's help, it is impossible. This is not something that's, this is not, this is not human capability here. This is something we need the power of God to help us with this. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. A couple, of, a couple more examples here. Again, Paul writing to Timothy. Again, Paul's writing from experience. He, of course, knew what it was to uh, suffer falsely. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. It's really amazing that when we think about in so many ways, how even people who have been found persecuting have been trying to overthrow Almighty God have been brought to faith by the witness and the testimony of a believer who actually lived this way. They actually, when they were persecuted, they didn't return fire. They were meek. They were patient. And they, when someone slandered them, they received it. It's been said that even the very, the very seed of the church in which you and I so freely enjoy God's program of the church, that the very seed of the church is the blood of martyrs. People who stood, endured persecution, sometimes death, for the name and the cause of Christ. Verse 12, Matthew 5, Rejoice! And be exceeding glad. Regard as a privilege. Regard it as a privilege to be persecuted and to suffer. It should not be a thing that we mourn over, but it should be a thing that is considered one of the chief blessings of our life. Why are we rejoicing? Are we rejoicing because we're being persecuted? No, we're rejoicing because great is your reward in heaven. We're rejoicing because we're suffering the same fate in which our Lord, we're treading in His steps. It's hard to get our eyes on the future reward in a present world. It's extremely difficult to realize that those who have suffered greatly, some of those who have even suffered martyrdom, some of the, the greatest rewards God is going to give are those who suffered for His name. I don't know how many people have suffered martyrdom. I don't know how many believers over the years have given up their very life. They went beyond just persecution. They actually gave up their life. Their life was taken here, but when they opened their eyes again, they were in the presence of God. 
Yet think about those who became martyrs. Those who were put to death for the name of Christ. You read, read some of the accounts. I think I've told you this. Uh, grab Fox's Book of Martyrs and just start reading. And what will strike you and struck me is how many of them, how many of the witnesses, and some of the witnesses were people who were just as guilty of putting them in that position, said that person was rejoicing as that torch was lit. They were singing praises unto God as they were being killed for their faith. Now again, he's not saying we're going out and seeking these things, but what he is telling us is that the very prospect of death for the sake of Christ was a source of rejoicing for God's people. Again, nowhere in the Bible does God say He requires us to seek out persecution. But we are told that if you will live godly in this life, you are going to suffer some form of persecution. And you should not mourn of it, mourn about it, you should rejoice in it. Why? Because we are we count it worthy. We're being counted worthy to suffer for his sake. Imagine knowing that even though we're suffering this persecution, knowing that we're suffering not because we're guilty, but we're suffering because we're standing for our Lord. Some of the greatest stories of all of Christian history is found in those martyrs. Those people who gave their lives for the name of Christ. Notice... Jesus gets in and he would have really been speaking directly to these disciples. And when he says there in verse number 12, he says that that for great is your reward in heaven. And then he makes mention of the prophets which were before you. Again, he's identifying that you are not the first people that were suffering for this. He said, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You were not the first generation to suffer persecution. The prophets before you, the men of God who came and they even, even were the ones predicting these future events. They were the religious teachers of the Jews. Read Hebrews 11 and read about, the, read about their faith. Now oftentimes we try to label what's more serious as far as persecution. There is a persecution and most likely... The persecution that you and I face on a day-to-day basis is not physical persecution, but it's persecution with the tongue. It's where someone is speaking badly of, of you. They're speaking against your faith. They're speaking against your Lord. They're slanderous. They accuse. But yet that is still, that's still persecution. That, that's still a form of persecution. He says they persecuted the prophets before you. Don't be surprised when they persecute you. That is the very heritage of being one of God's children. It is an honor to suffer with the prophets. That's what he wanted these disciples to know. That if you're suffering, it's an honor to suffer with them. And just as they persecuted them, they're going to persecute you. Jesus wanted His disciples to understand that this was a privilege to suffer for righteousness' sake. 
Often we compare what joy and gladness really is is by what blessings we have in this life, what possessions we have, what things we own. Jesus says, no, the greatest blessing you have, the greatest source of your rejoicing is that you should be exceedingly glad when you're persecuted. Now again, remember, peacemaking came first. He said, be a peacemaker. Again, don't go out there and try to seek the persecution. Be a peacemaker. Live your life as godly as you can live it. But if persecution comes as you live godly, as Paul told Timothy, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Don't be one of those people that say, you know, I'm living a good life, Lord. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Why am I suffering for this? Count it joy that you're suffering for it. Because he said, that's what I'm, that's what I'm telling you that you should do. That's what the blessed people do. Peacemakers are people who are, they are content, they're happy, they, they delight in peace. They keep, they try to keep a peace and if the peace is not there, or if peace is broken, they do everything they can to reconcile it. Those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, they in fact also should be happy as well. Now this is a peculiar statement because to be persecuted for righteousness sake and to rejoice in it. This is one of the, Christianity is one of the few religions that actually uses that kind of terminology. And of course, we know Christianity is more than just a religion. But there is nothing in our sufferings, there is nothing in our sufferings that even comes close to the sufferings of our Lord. No matter what we have to endure in this life, no matter what comes our way, nothing will compare to what Christ suffered for us. Is it amazing how opposite Jesus' teachings are from the rest of the world? It's all contrary. It runs counterculture. He doesn't say, go with everyone else. He said, as you live this way, you are, you are naturally, just by the way in which you live, you are going to be persecuted because you're peculiar, you're standing, you're different. The world admires the rich. They admire the powerful. They admire the people who, quote unquote, are victorious. But there's no greater privilege than to be counted faithful and to suffer for the name of Christ. Be a peacemaker. No question about it. Be a peacemaker, but also realize that as we are persecuted, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Don't be surprised when the persecution comes. He's told us it's coming. And when the persecution comes, rejoice in it. And say, God has counted me worthy to suffer for his name. Now again, I say this in a building tonight. It's a whole different story when we leave this place and we go out there and the persecution is real. That's, that's where we live out our faith. Our faith is not inside these four walls. Our faith is lived outside the front doors of this building. And that's where the real persecution is going to come from. And when it comes, how do we receive that? I hope what we've learned tonight will remind us of exactly what Jesus, as he taught his disciples, 
then we'll receive it in the same manner and in the same fashion. Next week, we'll deal with in a bit, a bit of a different section. Uh, We're going to move a little bit out of what we refer to as those Beatitudes, although they're still contained within the thought process, and deal with the subject of the salt of the earth. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means. All right, let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer. And I'm thankful you were here tonight and we'll look forward to uh, being together again on Sunday for our uh, Lord's Day services. And uh, so let's pray together and we'll be on our way. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And Lord, this is, by our own admission, a very difficult portion of Scripture. And Lord, even as we stand here on our getting ready to leave this place, it's difficult to consider and it's difficult to think about how we're going to live in our real lives. But Lord, help us to see your word for what it is. It is the truth. Lord, help us to not be afraid. Help us to be unashamed and to stand boldly and courageously in this present evil world. Lord, it is not going to be easy to live a life as a believer. Lord, I would think if we're living a life as a a claiming to be a believer and life is easy, maybe we need to examine our hearts, examine our faith. Where Where do we really stand? Because your word shows us that if we live godly in this world, we will suffer persecution. Father, help us to live a life that is pleasing unto you. Lord, that desires to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that we live honestly and meekly. And may we believe the promises and the truths of your word. Father, thank you for allowing this church to be a light in this community and surrounding communities. And Father, use us as how you see fit. Thank you for how you've guided and protected it and added unto us. And Lord, help us to stand firm even in the day of persecution. Help us to rejoice in it. Lord, go with us now as we leave this place. And it's in Christ's name and for his sake I do pray. Amen. All right, thank you.